Are you willing to examine the traditions and doctrines that you trust in for your eternal salvation? Welcome to the Great Deception Podcast. I am Don Britton and I will be your host. I will be comparing the modern traditions and doctrines of American Christianity with what the scriptures actually say. You may be shocked to find out that much of what is commonly believed in American Christianity today is nothing more than myths handed down to us by men. So please join me now with an open mind. Hello and welcome back to another Great Deception Podcast. I'm Don Britton and I will be speaking today with you concerning uh, the false signs and wonders that are predicted by Jesus for the last days. And since we are in the last days, the false signs and wonders are with us here now. And um, I think it would be good to review some of what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Let's go to Matthew 24. I'm going to start in verse 10. Jesus said, at that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. And so what that means is that many are going to fall away from God. They're going to fall away from living holy lives. They're going to fall away from seeking God or obeying God. And here's where the American church is today. It has fallen away. And the American Christian church, as it's called, is now deeply involved with the world and the ways of the world and with sin. And there's plenty of research to prove that. Let's go to the next verse, verse 11, 2411. Jesus also said that many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Now, in the Greek, that word many means multitudes, like multitudes upon multitudes. So there's going to be multitudes of false prophets and multitudes of those that are going to be misled. And that's what we have today. Again, now we have here in the American church today the same situation. The church is saturated now with false prophets and false pastors they're getting rich or being well taken care of, at least financially, because they're preachers for pay. And they're prophesying falsehood because they're prophesying blessings and prosperity. And then there's false teachers in the church today. They're all over the place that are teaching. I call it a hyper grace, a grace that just somehow overlooks and covers up unrepentant sin. And the whole church's system, the whole church world system of success is based upon numbers and money rather than on godliness and holiness and righteousness. And the multitudes are misled by all of this. In other words, all of this American Christianity has misled multitudes of people. Next verse, verse 12, Matthew 24, 12. Jesus goes on to say, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Well, <clears throat> lawlessness is the practice of sin. And I'll tell you something today from the research again that's done, from what I've seen in my 40 years of walking with God, this practice of sin, of lawlessness, it's from the pastor right on down to the least member. Sin is rampant throughout the whole American church world. Divorce is no different. In fact, the the statistics are is, is, is higher, higher in the church than it is in the secular world. So we have divorce. We have adultery at the same rate, fornication at the same rate, unforgiveness, jealousy, pornography, pride. We have the idolatry of sports, the idolatry of self, and just a general gross lack of holiness throughout the entire church, which makes the church really no different than the rest of the world other than it just goes to church on Sunday, so to speak. Next verse. Well, I'm going to actually skip from Matthew 12, 
24, 12 down to Matthew 24, 21. Let's go to that. For then there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Okay, think about this now. There's been plenty of tribulations in America. You can, you can start over 100 years ago. We had the Civil War. That was the most horrible thing, Americans killing one another over a political view. You know, then we had World War one and then we had the great depression and then we, and that which was horrible and a lot of people suffered and died through that great depression then we had world war ii where we lost i don't even remember how many americans died it was like in the hundreds of thousands or something i don't know you know but the point is it was terrible and it devastated families and many fathers and brothers and sons died during that war it was a horrible thing and that wasn't all that long ago and then the Korean War. And there we had the Vietnam War. And I think if I remember right, around 50,000 young American men died in that war. And you know, there again, how many families did that affect? That was another tribulation for this country. And then if you remember in the 60s, we had the sexual revolution. We had all this rebellion going on. Uh, people were, uh, young people were defying authority. They were defying the, the spiritual instruction they had as kids and and they were defying their parents and defying school uh, leadership and the and the and they were defying the 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 law the rule of law and so we had all this all this revolt going on in the 60s and it really shook the country up and then we had the Iraqi war and then we had the Afghanistan war then we had fighting with al qaeda and with ISIS and the war that went on there and 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 how all that was affecting our country and all the people that died in that, and all the different stress that we had over that. Then we had the 9-11 tax, which I don't know that I'm giving this in exact order, but I'm just telling you things that have happened in America. And I remember 9-11. I mean, it was a devastating thing on the whole country. And and so, it, you know, there were people at that time who were so shook up that the churches filled up right after this attack on our on, on our country. And the churches filled up with people for a while, and people were looking for God. They were looking for answers. They were looking for hope. But then after things got back to normal, kind of business went back to normal, life went back to normal after all of that, they forgot God. And then the churches then back out again and people just went back to their normal lives. And then on top of all those different tribulations, we've had the uncertainty of terrorism. And look at all the strain and stress that's been put on our country and all the people that died from the terrorist acts all over the world and how that has changed the way we think, the way we travel, the way we... You know, we look at things, and, and so, again, it's another tribulation. And now, we're right in the middle of the coronas, coronavirus epidemic. What about that? And you talk about something now that is a great tribulation, like it's never happened before, even from the beginning of time, where the whole world now, the whole economy of the whole world is in jeopardy. There are not only thousands, but there are hundreds of thousands, and they predict that over the world there's going to be in the millions of people that die from this. It's a thing that shook up and affected virtually every human being in our country and in many other countries. You know, and to top off all of that, and you know, you think, well, that's a lot of, that's a lot of tribulation. We just read that Jesus said there's going to be a great tribulation. That's a lot of tribulation. And to top all of that off, if you had eyes to see what a terrible and horrible thing that's happened to the church, that we now have an American church that's asleep and in bondage to sin, 
in bondage to the world and in bondage to the devil. The church now has lost its moral authority. The church has lost its relationship with God. The church has a reputation that it's alive, but it's dead. The church is full of false pastors and false doctrines, modern doctrines that excuse sin, cover up sin, false grace that somehow lets people live in sin, thinking they're going to go to heaven, all kinds of false teachings, all kinds of false signs and wonders, all kinds of false doctrines and different kinds of things from false teachers. It's all over the place. So with all of that said, do you see the end of time drawing near? Do you sense it? Do you see anything going on that resembles a great tribulation here and all that I just said? So, you know, the time must be getting close. In Matthew 24, 22, the next verse, Jesus said, unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. So that's pretty bad. That's a pretty dangerous time. Those days are pretty dangerous if, if he's even concerned that it's so bad, it's going to be so dark and so evil that unless those days have been cut short, no life would be saved. But even for the sake of the elect, they're going to cut them short because of the lawlessness and the false pastors and the false prophets and the false teachers and the tremendous darkness of these times that we live in now. No one would be saved if the Lord didn't cut these days short. Even the elect, those that belong to God, those that know God are in danger of being deceived and falling away. So that's how terrible these times we live in are. We need to, we need to wake up. And next verse uh, 23, Matthew 24, 23, Jesus goes on to say, he said, then if anyone says to you, behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, he said, do not believe him. So how many times somebody ever come to you and said, hey, you really need to go over to this meeting I was at, or you need to go to that church over there, or you need to listen to this prophet, or you need to connect with this ministry, because they here's what they say, because they're telling you, the Lord is there. The Lord is in that place. The Lord is in that ministry. The Lord is in that church. The Lord is in that pastor. The Lord is in that prophet. But Jesus said, do not believe it because he said, I'm not there. So here's what I'm telling you. Jesus is not a Baptist. He's not a Catholic. Jesus is not a charismatic. And he is not in the business of ministry for money as most all of them are these days. And he is not doing healings to make a great show of it using all kinds of television production video cameras and to excite people, make it into a, a dramatic thing so that you will get all excited and give your money to the, quote, healer, the prophet or the pastor or the preacher or whatever. Jesus is not like that. He is not like that, folks. He's just not there. Don't believe that he is. Next verse, Matthew 24, 24. He goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. There it is again. It, there's a danger there. Even the elect can be misled. They can be deceived and they can fall away because of it. You see, these false prophets and false Christ, they're the ones that, who appear to be of Christ. You know, they claim to be of God. I said they appear to be, but they're really not. They even have the power with them to show great signs and wonders. They have, according to what Jesus said, they're going to be able to show you, or at least have the appearance of, 
or at least fool you with great signs and wonders. And because of these signs and wonders, it seems to validate that they're from God. I said it seems to. It appears that they're of God, but they really are of the devil because they seem to come as a messenger of light with these powers. And it might even be possible for them to mislead even the chosen of God. So be careful here. Jesus said more than one time, he said, be not deceived, do not be deceived, don't be deceived. And he wouldn't have said that if you couldn't be deceived about all of this. Next verse, Matthew 24, 25. Behold, I have told you in advance. In other words, we need to go back and, and listen to what Jesus said. He told us before. I mean, he told us a long time ago, this is what was going to happen. Again, we were warned in advance that this was going to, it was going to be like this in the last days. And, and verse 26, 24, 26, Jesus goes on to say, So if they say to you, behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. Or behold, he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe them. Again, he's saying, just because somebody says God is here, Jesus is here, he's over there, he's, he's in that ministry, he's with that prophet, he's with this preacher, he's with that pastor, he's in this church. You know, he said, don't believe them. He says, I'm not there. That's the way it's going to be in the last days. He's, there's a lot of places saying God is here, God's with us, but he says, don't believe them. So he said, don't believe it when someone tells you Jesus here or there. In this prophet or in that pastor or in that ministry, just don't believe it. He is not there unless, now listen to this. He is not there unless this ministry or this pastor or this prophet are calling men to repentance. They're calling out the sin in the church. They're exposing other false teachers and false doctrines. If they're doing that, you might want to pay attention. If they're preaching without pay, if they're not taking money from you to build a ministry and an empire to buy jets and to buy uh, mansions and to accumulate millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars or even just thousands of dollars. If they're not doing that, you might want to pay attention to them. If they're being persecuted for what they're preaching, and Paul said, all who desire to live godly shall be persecuted in Christ Jesus. Well, if they're being persecuted for living godly and preaching godly, you might want to pay attention to those guys. If they're living godly lives, and they don't care what anyone says about them. If they don't care what people, if they don't care what people like them or not. They only care about pleasing God. You might want to pay attention to those guys. Now, Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2, starting in verse 7, he said this. He said, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and will bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord. The one whose coming, of course, is Jesus. So the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan. In other words, the coming as, a, as the coming of the Lord draws more near, the activity of Satan increases. In other words, they're in accord with one another. The coming of the Lord is in accord with the activity of Satan. And the activity of Satan, he says, will be coming with all power and signs and false wonders and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. So, so what is the mystery of lawlessness? What is the mystery? Is it not the total breakdown of the morals we have today 
in the American church, yet with little or no real concern on the most part of our spiritual leaders? I mean, you don't, you can turn on Christian television, you can turn on Christian podcasts. Who is concerned about it? Who is, who is saying what John the Baptist would be saying, or Jesus would be saying, or Paul the Apostle would be saying, or Elijah would be saying, or Jeremiah would be saying, or Ezekiel would be saying? Who's saying that today? It's all about blessings and peace and safety and everything is wonderful and get your healing and God wants you to be happy and all this. That's all I hear. So is the mystery of lawlessness, lawlessness, the mystery of lawlessness, is it not just this total breakdown we have of morality today in the church? Is it not the pitiful condition of the American church today who has this church who has more focus put on physical healing and people's finances and people's happiness rather than the terminal illness of sin which is plaguing the church today is this mystery of lawlessness is it is it not that now sin is considered to be a normal part of a of a christian's life and has become acceptable for pastors and prophets to accept that with them accepting it they avoid addressing sin anymore what happened to the prophets and the pastors that used to address sin, you know, a hundred years ago, 50 years ago, throughout all of history, throughout the history of the Bible, the men of God always, 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 always addressed the sin of the people and called them to repentance and revealed what was wrong in the people of God, exposed it and called people to account for it. What happened to that? Is that not the mystery of lawlessness? Isn't this a mystery? A mystery of lawlessness that no one is urgent about sin anymore? Would you think that might be it? Maybe, just possibly. So the coming of Jesus Christ will be in accord with the activity of Satan, who will be, Satan will be demonstrating all power to perform false signs and wonders, including all the deception of wickedness for those who perish in their sins because they did not have the love of the truth so as to be saved. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The love of the truth, if you go back, the love of the truth is knowing, the truth of knowing that God will judge you for your sin. If you continue, like it says in Hebrews 10, 26, if you go on willfully sinning after having received the knowledge of the truth, that's the saving knowledge of Christ, it says there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins, which was Jesus Christ, but a certain expectation of terror and the wrath of fury of fire, which God will bring upon his adversaries. That's having a love of the truth to believe that. If you don't believe that, you believe you're going to be okay just like you are if you're living in sin or if you're lukewarm or if you're just passive or if you just sit in church, but you don't really seek God. You just go to church to think you're going to have a, a relationship with God because you attended church. You think that's service to God. If that's what you think, then you don't have the love of the truth. The love of the truth is to seek God with all your heart that you may find him, to, st to study the scriptures, to show yourself approved unto God as a workman who needs not to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. One who loves God is one who studies and prays and seeks God to do the will of God, who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. That's what it is to have a love of the truth so as to be saved. Not to just sit in church, not to follow some minister or some pastor or some prophet or some ministry and get all excited, not to go hoop-ha and array on Sunday singing a few songs and dancing around thinking you've worshipped God. That's not the love of the truth. That's deception. So the coming of Jesus Christ will be in accord with the activity of Satan who is demonstrating all power 
to perform false signs and wonders, including all the deception of wickedness for those who perish in their sins because they did not have the love of the truth so as to be saved. Verse 11, 2 Thessalonians 2, 11. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they may all be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. So, do you see here how God is sending Satan who is the deluding influence? Satan is the deluding influence. He's been given power over the whole religious world, so to speak, to deceive. It's only the few who will seek God with a whole heart that will find the truth. So do you see how God is sending this deluding influence, Satan causing people to believe what is false? Do you see that the method he is using is to now in this modern day is to use various false signs and false wonders as a tool to deceive? Do you understand that this is what's going on now? Let me ask you something. Please don't be offended by what I'm saying. I want you to think about this. Say in the last hundred plus years, in recent times, in other words, considering the church has been around for over 2,000 years, and who knows how long it's been since God has been speaking through his prophets. Anyway, what movement in recent times has appeared bringing signs and wonders? What, what denomination is claiming miracles? What denomination is claiming miracles or divine healings or visions from God or words from God and focusing on the supernatural? Where is that at? Is it the Baptist? I don't think so. And I'm not supporting the Baptist at all. Well, what about the Catholics? Is that the movement coming through the Catholics? I don't think so. Do you? It's really not the Catholics. Is, well, what about the Presbyterians? You know, I've been there too. I've been to the Baptists, I've been to the Catholics, I've been to the Presbyterians, and I've been a charismatic at, at one point in the past myself. Do you think it, but do you think it's the Presbyterians? No, I doubt it. They're probably not claiming signs and wonders. What about the Lutherans? Have you ever attended a Lutheran church? Are they talking about signs and wonders there? Are they proclaiming supernatural spiritual powers? I don't think so. What about the Amish? The Amish, I should say. I said that incorrectly. The Amish. What about them? No, they won't even drive a car, will they? So I don't think it's them. So where is it at? So what movement or denomination today is focusing on supernatural things? What movement are all the false prophets going to show up who use signs and wonders? What movement are they going to show up in that use signs and wonders. Have you figured it out yet? You know, Jesus predicted this. It's got to be somewhere. Where is it at? What's been going on? What's the new thing that's come in to the church in the last hundred or so years? Is it not the signs and wonders movement? Isn't it really coming through the early Pentecostal movement, which gave birth to the charismatic movement, which gave birth to the signs and wonders and the word of faith movement? Isn't that really where this is coming from? I'm not saying that all Pentecostals are evil. I'm not saying all Charismatics are evil. But I'm saying the movement through which this signs and wonders is predicted is coming through is that movement. And Jesus said in Matthew 16, 4, here's what he said. He said it's an evil and morally unfaithful, adulterous generation that craves a miraculous sign. 
They said no sign would be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Well, what was the sign of Jonah, the prophet? It was, it was to repent of sin. You remember Jonah went to Nineveh to, to preach repentance from sin because Nineveh was just like America. The whole country, the whole, the whole place of Nineveh was full of wickedness and idolatry, which is just like the American church. So that's a, you want a sign from God? That's a sign from God. If someone's telling you to repent of sin, that's a sign from God. Don't be like the evil and morally and unfaithful adulterous generation that's craving after a miraculous sign. And that's what we have today. People looking around, running around looking for a sign. I've been in, I was in a charismatic meeting one time and there was all this yeah, 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 yeah about all these different things, and all these different powers and all these different signs and all these different words and prophecies and everything. And I, I spoke up and I said, well, shouldn't we go back to the word of God? And, and a lady jumped up and said, I don't want to hear anything from the word of God. I just want to see a miracle. And I thought she spoke the heart of that meeting. Don't be like that. Don't be like the adulterous generation who craves after a miraculous sign. You need to seek after God, Jesus Christ, the living word. So let's be honest with ourselves. If God has granted, and we just read where he did, if God has granted Satan power to perform false signs and wonders in order to deceive, then could Satan heal someone through a false prophet or work some other kind of miracle? through a false prophet, a false teacher, or a false pastor? Could he do that? Obviously, the answer is yes, he could. So does Satan also come as an angel light? Doesn't he come? You know, Satan doesn't come with a pitchfork in his hand and horns sticking out of his head. He comes in a three-piece suit, talking and quoting scriptures and looking like a man of God. That's how he comes as an angel of light. Do we understand that yet? How does he come out as an angel of light if it's not as a preacher or a ministry that appears to be doing good? That's how he comes as an angel of light. But I ask you this question. Is that ministry or that pastor or that prophet, is he really saying what God is saying about sin and wickedness in the church? Or is the focus of that ministry, is the focus more on outward things like outward physical healings and outward blessings and and, you know, all the outward worldly stuff and the supernatural to get you excited, telling all kinds of stories about all these wondrous things that have happened. I hear a lot of stories on the podcast, listen to the preachers on TV, going on to the, onto YouTube. There's a lot of stories about all the great wondrous things that are done. But, you know, I don't know for sure about all of that. But is, is this ministry focusing on those kinds of things to get you all stirred up and excited. Maybe you'll throw some money at their ministry. That's really what they're after, you know, is your money. Or are they concerned and expressing their deep concern, their sense of urgency for the sinful condition of the American church today and its serious need to be healed morally, to be healed morally from sin, to be healed of rebellion to God. Do they talk about that? Is that what their main concern is? So does this prophet or ministry cause people to seek after signs and wonders and the supernatural and to stir them all up about it, get them all excited? Or does it cause them to seek after holiness and purity, a devotion to Jesus Christ and to be healed of every sin and every practice that's not of God? Is that, is that, do they, which one do they do? Does that ministry or preacher seek for your donations, for your hard earned money? Do they promise you blessings if you'll send your money to them? Do they talk all the time about how they need your support in order to do the work of God? Does he, the minister, the preacher, the pastor, the prophet, does he bring glory to himself 
by making a show of his power, zooming cameras in on the so-called miracles that he's performed or the healings that he's doing? Does he make a big deal of it? Or is he a humble man who refuses to make a show at all of what he's doing? Especially if he's praying for someone to be healed, does he get privately with them? Does he go in privately or does he make it a, a television production? You know, concerning healing, if a television evangelist says on TV that, oh, I sense there's someone out there that has a problem with this kind or that kind of physical issue. And there's thousands of people, maybe tens of thousands of people, maybe hundreds of thousands of people. Listen, I don't know. A bunch of people. Wouldn't it be likely that out of all those thousands of people listening that someone would have that exact problem? I mean, isn't that probably so? And I've even been in meetings where there's a couple, 300 people and the preacher was up there saying, you know, the Lord is telling me that someone here uh, has a problem with depression or someone here has a problem with their back or whatever. And, you know, there's always somebody in every group that's got a problem with depression. There's always somebody that's got a backache in every group. There's always somebody that's got a toothache in every group. I mean, so what does that prove? Just because he says a general statement like, does that mean he's hearing from God? That's just That's just a typical, uh, obvious thing. But what if the televangelist did this? You know, what if he said, well, there's a man named John Smith and he lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee and he lives on Sherland Drive and he works at the post office and he had a wreck in his car last week and broke his leg and the Lord is telling me that the leg's going to be healed. Now, that'd be pretty specific, wouldn't it? Now, you know, I'd look, that might be a little bit more convincing that he might have heard from God. But then again, that doesn't even prove that he heard from God because the devils can do the same thing. The fortune tellers can do the same thing. The spiritists can do the same thing. The medians can do the same thing. And we were warned to be careful about those things unless he is turning that man towards Jesus Christ, unless he's turning him towards righteousness and repentance. Is he really speaking the words of God? Because if he's bringing glory to himself, if he's making himself look like he's a great power of God, what is he really doing here? What is really going on? You need to think about it. Besides, you know, they call that a word of knowledge. You know, I've seen that done before. said a word of knowledge. But do you know, well, you need to go back to the scriptures. Do you know that no one in the scriptures ever claimed that that was a word of knowledge to be aware of somebody's physical problem. It wasn't called a word of knowledge. Word of knowledge, like Paul's talking about in the gifts of the Spirit, is about having knowledge of the truth, knowledge about Christ, knowledge of the Word, knowledge of what God is saying to a situation. That's the word of knowledge. It's not about somebody's toe ache, back ache, headache, whatever. That, again, is being used to demonstrate for the own person's own glory. We need to wake up. So why don't we see the kinds of healings that are like in the Bible? You know, like somebody who was born blind from birth, didn't even have optic nerves or whatever. Why don't we see those kinds of things healed? Or someone like in the cases like you see in the New Testament where there was the man who never walked. You know, they had to carry him around on a pallet and set him here and set him there. It was He had to beg or whatever. But when, you know, when Jesus came along, he said, take up your pallet and walked. And the man immediately jumped up. He didn't even have to learn how to walk. He didn't even have to go through rehab or anything. He walked immediately. And what about a miracle like when Peter cut the guy's ear off when they came to take possession of Jesus to arrest him 
And Jesus stuck his ear back on and healed it and made it completely restored like it was originally. Why don't we see anything like that happening? And then, of course, there was Moses and he opened up the Red Sea and he turned a staff into a serpent. And then Jesus, on, on one occasion at a, at a wedding, he turned several large containers of water into wine. I saw on TV where this guy supposedly turned a cup of something into wine, but it actually was a trick to change the color of the water. It really wasn't wine. But you see, th these are these are the deceptions of the last days. You know, where's the guy that can turn like gallons and gallons of pure water into wine? Let's see him do that. You know, what about... <clears throat> What about when Jesus and Peter both walked on the water? Jesus walked on the water all the way from the shore to the boat. Then Peter got out and walked a little ways before he got scared. But at least he walked on the water for a little while. Where's the man that can walk on water today? Where's he at? I'm not trying to be facetious here. I'm, try I'm just saying we need to stop and think about it. We keep talking about miracles and we keep talking about signs and wonders. But, but what are they really? Are we really seeing bona fide signs and wonders? Are we really seeing things that are undeniable? And what about raising the dead? Jesus did. Elijah did. Paul did. Peter did. Tell me who's raising the dead now. And I'll tell you something else. <laughs> Elijah started and ended a famine, a tremendous famine with prayer. He started it and he ended it with prayer. Is there anybody that can do that? You know, we've had famines in our land that have been devastating to the farmers. Where's the man of God that can go and restore that water, that rain, like Elijah did. Who can do that? And Jesus spoke to and stopped a storm. And we've had recently tornadoes. In fact, one came by my house here in North Georgia not that long ago. It just went over us. We heard it go by. And it really devastated some people's homes and some businesses not far from here. And, you know, I don't have the power. I'll be honest with you. I wish I could. I wish I could have said, in the name of Jesus, stop. But it, but I know that, that that's really not going to happen. I mean, I'm just not there. I mean, that's not my gift, but I don't claim to be a man full of the power to perform signs and wonders. God has called me to preach the word. So who can do that? Who can stop a storm? Where are the men that can do that? And and Peter, when he walked by, his shadow would heal people. There were people brought people out into the streets just hoping that Peter's shadow would hit them so they could be healed. Who has that power? You see, we we talk about signs and wonders and power a lot in the charismatic movement. But where do we really see anything like that? And when Jesus and the apostles were operating in those days, healing and performing, performing many signs and wonders, the whole region knew about it, including the kings and the leaders of the land. And they didn't have Fox News and CNN to report it on TV like we do. No. So why don't we hear of those kinds of amazing bona fide miracles taking place today if they are real since now we do have Fox News and we do have CNN and we do have the Internet News. We do have MSN. We have all kinds of ways now. We have our iPhones in our hand. We have breaking news pop up on our phones. Breaking news would be like somebody that was just healed of somebody who was somebody who was truly born blind from birth with no optic nerves was just healed by brother so-and-so who, uh, who is of God, a man of God came and prayed for him and he's now restored. His sight is now restored. Or someone who had MS who couldn't walk and have been in a wheelchair for 15 years, who couldn't even use their legs at all, were suddenly brought back to complete health by a man of God. Wouldn't you think CNN or Fox News would be reporting that? Because that would be some big news. I mean, you know, they everything that's a, that's sensational 
every kind of sensational report in the world, they're glad to get a hold of it because it's good press for them. But the problem is they're not finding anything like that. Apparently, what do you think? Now, let me get something straight here with you. I do believe in the power of God and in the supernatural healing brought on by God. I believe in it. I believe God can do anything to anyone anytime he wants to. And I'm not opposed to praying for the sick. I have prayed for the sick. And honestly, I've seen God raise some people up that didn't seem like they were going to be raised up. And there's been a couple, three times in my life, I've gone through some very difficult health things that through prayer, God delivered me. So I do believe in God working in us through prayer. I'm not against that. And I'm not one of those guys who say that all the spiritual gifts died with apostles like some do. I'm not saying that at all. But I am concerned that today we have more, much more, multitudes more of false signs and wonders and false and fake healings and staged healings that are going on for show on TV and these ministries for money than we have anything that's genuine. Why are the chronically sick people blocked at many of the miracle healings held today by so many of the modern faith healers like Benny Hinn? It's been, it's been verified that Benny Hinn's people He's got people around the stage and they will not let the really, really sick people in. They'll not let them come up. Why is that? Well, something to think about. I don't claim to have the gift of healing. I don't claim to work miracles. It even says in the New Testament, not all are miracle workers, are they? Not all have gift of tongues, do they? Not all have gifts of healing. Not all do. I don't, but I do preach the word. That's, that's the only gift I have is to preach the word. And that's what I do. But I have heard men like Andrew Womack claim that he can't even get sick because if a virus touched his body, and he was talking about the coronavirus, that it would die. I thought, well, where do you get that from? Who, who thinks that they, who believes that he can't get sick? Kenneth Copeland claims that he's going to live to 120. And he's had a healing ministry of signs and wonders for decades, preaching all this health and wealth stuff and prosperity. And in the meantime, it's made him worth over $700 million, closer now to $800 million, maybe even has surpassed $800 million. And then there's Pat Robinson, and, I, and you know, he's a nice guy, and he said some really good things, but he claims to heal people through his 700 Club on TV, and, has, and, and as a result of his work, he has accumulated for himself over $100 million doing so. So I have a problem with some of that, you know, and then after, then after him, then after accumulate another, another preacher, after accumulating over $40 million and many other valuable assets, including, uh, uh, you know, big mansions and so forth, Benny Hinn now is saying that he is not for the prosperity gospel. After he has prospered, he's not for the prosperity gospel anymore. Uh, you know, was he, does that mean he's going to give all the money back to the people that he's took it from? I mean, what 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 is he saying? Yet he claims all this healing and and you know the the slain in the spirit stuff he does on the stage and all this. I mean, folks, something is wrong here. Something is just wrong. And I'm not picking on these guys, and I'm not trying to throw their. I'm just trying to say something is wrong with all of this. And yet none of these men and others like them have had any really notable miracles that have captured the attention of the rest of us so that we would know what was really going on as Jesus and apostles 
did in their day in the early church. Everybody knew what they were doing. It was all over the place. And they didn't even have CNN, like I said, or, the, or Fox News to report it. But everybody knew what was going on because it was real. And it was bona fide. And it was, and it was really, really true. But something's missing here. Something is just missing. So where are those who claim to have the power of the supernatural? Where are those who claim to have the gift of healing? Where are they? If anyone has it, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying that no one has it. I'm just saying, where are they at? If anyone does have it, let him have compassion, especially on the suffering, especially on the suffering of little children. Little children get my heart. Have you ever noticed those little guys on the Shriners Hospital commercials? Those little guys that have, you know, they're pitiful. One little fellow's had over 200 bones to break because he has some kind of disease of the bones and he's, he's just a little tiny fellow. You know, and, and there's other, other ones with all kinds of different uh, disabilities. Does it not grab your heart to see those little fellows? You know, if I had the gift of supernatural healing, you know, I'd just have to go there and heal those precious little fellows. I just, wouldn't you? I mean, wouldn't you, honestly? I mean, it grips my heart. When I, and I see these guys come back from, you know, being over in, uh, you know, in the war in Afghanistan and Iraq, and they've got, they've got limbs that are missing. They're, they're paralyzed in certain parts of their body. They're, one fellow has to use a, uh, some kind of electric wheelchair. It's got a little yoke on it. He, he can only move one hand because of his being paralyzed. My heart goes out to these guys. Don't you think I'd go seek that guy out and I'd lay my hands on him and raise him up out of that wheelchair if I could, if I had that gift? If, but I don't claim to have that gift, but men out there do. Why don't they do something like that? And, oh, and what about those poor little children at St. Jude's Hospital? Oh my goodness. They're, they've got cancer. These little guys, little babies, little fellows, one, two, three, four, five years old, little, little guys, those precious little guys. With cancer, they're fighting for their lives. It breaks my heart. I can hardly watch that without crying. How could any man of God not go and heal some of them if he could? Even just one of them? Just one of those little fellows. Not to mention all about the, what about all the victims of the coronavirus who, who've died, who could have been saved maybe from death? If only one man of God with a gift of healing, with the power of God, as, as they claim, if he'd gone to New York, where, I don't know, was it 50,000 people died in New York or something like that? It's some big number. I, I may be wrong on the number, but you, you get my point. I mean, if he'd went up there, what if he just saved 10 or 12 of them? My goodness, there's people's lives that are devastated. There's families that lost a hub, husband, a brother, a son, a sister, a father, a mother. There's people whose lives have lost a loved one. What if, what if a man of God really had the gift of healing and he could save someone? Wouldn't you think he'd go up there and have mercy on them? If Andrew Womack says that no coronavirus would touch him, why didn't he go right in the midst of all those people that were sick and save them instead of just talking about it on TV and collecting money? But you know what I noticed? I noticed that Benny Hinn and Andrew Womack and T.D. Jakes and Kenneth Copeland and Pat Robinson and, and the rest of the countless signs and wonders ministers of our day, they were all absent and have remained absent from all these settings I just mentioned. Where were they? Yet... You look around and many people of the world have volunteered their time and resources and they've put their own lives at risk to go in and try to help as much as they can. They've done it through through the coronavirus thing. They've done it through the, the terrible uh, disasters we've had 
with uh, tornadoes and other things like that. They just giving them their time. Just they they and they don't even claim to be of God. Most of them don't, but they act like more like Christians than the men who claim to have the Spirit of God. Doesn't any of this make you wonder where their hearts are? Think about it. Remember, there is a tremendous movement of false signs, fake signs, fake healings, and fake and wonders, false wonders and false signs of today. There's a tremendous movement of those things. And I believe that this movement of false signs and wonders includes the fake and the phony healings that we have so many of today, the staged things that are made to look good on TV, the claims that are made by many that are not verified, and that, that it also includes claims of the bizarre. I mean, there's some bizarre things. I, I watched some YouTube videos and stuff. And I mean, even like Bill Johnson claiming that, that their feathers and he talks about, you know, the, the coming under the wings of God. And he's, he's suggesting that there's physical feathers that are falling from the wings of God down into their meetings. I mean, this is crazy. And says there's gold dust now falling from the, from the air in their meetings. What has that got to do with anything? What is that about? Where in the scriptures did anything like that ever happen? And then there's some meetings that I've seen YouTubes on that there's claims of people that are throwing up frogs and buckets of blood, and other kinds of strange and really bizarre things. These kinds of things are just not supported by Scripture, and they're actually very demonic. They're false signs and wonders. And other false signs and wonders include anything that's actually supernatural, and it really is supernatural, but it takes place by the wrong spirit. It's like we read earlier that Satan would be given all kinds of power to perform false signs and wonders. The reason they're false, they actually are a sign and wonder in some cases, but the reason they're false is because they're from the wrong spirit. So, so with all that said, just because it's miraculous or just because someone actually got healed does not prove that it was from God. It doesn't prove it's from God. You see, all of these things I've been talking about is where we are actually at today in this dark time we live in during these last days. So my advice would be don't seek after signs and wonders, but seek after Jesus and holiness, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Flee from sin. Flee from false pastors who take your money and who also take your soul. Stop putting your hope in the name brand prophets, and put your, but put your hope in Jesus Christ. Go and seek him and study his word. Seek God out. He says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. He says, if you seek me with all your heart, I'll tell you, this may sound strange, but the most dangerous place you can be in today is in most any church in America. That's right. Because there's so much deception. There's so much falsehood. There's so many false pastors, so many false doctrines, so many false everything. I hope you're not offended by anything I've said today. If you are, then you have missed the whole point. I would hope that you've been stimulated to think and to pray and to seek God before it's too late. I hope you listen next week to another Great Deception podcast. Thank you for listening to the Great Deception podcast. You may visit my website at www.christianmyths.org for more information, for my blog, and for my email address. You can also get my book, The Great Deception of American Christianity Without Christ, on Amazon or on my website. Also on my website, you may download two free chapters of my book. I hope you join me next week as we continue to examine 
The Great Deception. 